Do you ever stop and think that maybe like the little phone holder that's attached to your vent on the dashboard of your car is kind of the new altar, the new pulpit that we worship? It seems to have taken on that role, hasn't it? You ever stop to think and then just forget to start again? <laughs> Christmas time is here. I've been sent you. So, uh, yes, it's uh, 74 degrees on December 1st. That's the, the first sign of the apocalypse, if you're into that. And... Uh, so it goes. But uh, lo and behold, Christmas time is here. And I'm on it, man. M- uh, music wise, like, okay, here's what's up. I'm ready to roll. Like, this, like, no, like the day after Thanksgiving, like, it's on. Like, I give the day of Thanksgiving its due. And then. Once it's in my rear view mirror, I am gone off the races, man. And I get, well, I should be, I should clarify. I should be actually more honest. I haven't done that as of yet. Although I did, I, I went on to Spotify and I pulled up jazzy Christmas, Christmas jazz. And what it is, is like a, uh, some Nat King Cole, you know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire or like, uh, there's another one uh, gets played that's the Sugar Plum Fairy, but it's Duke Ellington's version, and it's really good. Um, the Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy from Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker, but it's Duke Ellington's version. It's fucking really good. It sounds like, uh, well, it sounds like it's it was made in the 30s, which it probably was, but it sounds like something like you'd see in a 30s movie. You know, that was made by, like, Howard Hughes. And, like, there's a piano, but it's on fire. And there's... I don't know. Something to that effect. And... But... The ultimate... Ultimate... Is Charlie Brown Christmas. The Vince Guaraldi trio. And their uh, soundtrack to Charlie Brown Christmas. Which is... You don't even necessarily have to be a jazz fan, to be frank. Um, and it's such a because I think it because it's such it's embedded in our minds. It's just it's ingrained in our culture now at this point. I mean, this came out in the the TV show came out in '65. It was the really the first well, it was the first holiday special. Uh, it was the second Peanuts special. Why do they call them Peanuts anyway? I should find that out. But um, but naturally there there was a soundtrack and the first I had ever uh, seen of the soundtrack was uh, my buddy Mike, who uh, I, I talk about periodically. Um, you know, his fiftieth birthday was this was this year. We we gave him a little shout out episode. But his brother John, his older brother John, who was the very first person I met when I went up to Humboldt State. I went up there on a recruiting trip. And if I remember right, well, my dad and I went up there and we had car trouble and it took us like for, it took us like 16 hours to get up there because there was something wrong with the engine or something. And uh, I can't remember what specifically the problem was, but we were like, we were like at 50% uh, effectiveness of efficacy of engine efficacy. And so, but when we finally got up there, John Steffens, uh, my good friend who I haven't seen since his wedding, I don't think, but, uh, he was the very first guy, him and Kevin Riley, they were, uh, they were roommates at the time. And since they were up there over the, it was during the summer, I'd, I'd gone on the recruiting trip to go up and just meet guys on the team and kind of get familiar with the area and stuff and anyway so he uh he was the first 
and I, and I, to my recollection, was the last person I believe I saw when I left Humboldt Humboldt County, because uh, as my my roommate Chris, who was roommates with Mike and I at the lofts, he referred to that situation as, as John being my bookend friend. First and last I saw up there, but he he was the first guy I'd ever I'd ever noticed had the soundtrack, the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. I'm like, oh fuck, I got it, I got to borrow that. So I I either uh, if I either borrowed it or I got a copy of my own, but I'm like, this is the shit. Because I don't think John by any means was a jazz fan, but there's just something that this this soundtrack transcends all of that, and. So it was just, and it's so good because it's like, it just reaches into your soul because you can picture each track. There's stuff that is only, it only appears like briefly parts of the track in, in part in, in the show itself. Uh, but the whole track, the whole song of obviously is on display on the, on the, on the album and uh, but you can recall kind of you know like where like they're ice skating in the beginning you know and it's you know you could feel you know like the minute they play those chords you're just like yeah, that's it. That's right. Because it was such a... There was something about... That was the... That was the beast of all the... Charlie Brown holiday specials for... For sure. You know. Uh, the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. That was... I mean... That was a distant second. And that's a great one. That's a great one. You know. Creating it their own myth with the Great Pumpkin. That's a great one. But yeah, Charlie Brown Christmas is just, it just buries all the other ones. So it's part of our culture. It's part of our lexicon. It's part of just our, it's just fascinating. It's really fascinating. And, uh, so, and it, and, and it was the simplest of shows as well, because he basically like, um, you know, the premise is like Charlie Brown's kind of like, he's down in the dumps, he's depressed, it's the holiday season and he doesn't know why, he doesn't know why he's depressed. So, so they get him to be the director of the Christmas play and uh, when he shows up, they're all just dancing like, me. you know, <laughs> well, first of all, Prior to that, okay, he, so he's, he goes to get he goes to get uh, diagnosed by um, Sa- uh, Lu- Lucy, who's just a bit, you know, these are all, the brilliance of the Peanut characters, Charlie Brown's characters, is, is they're all kind of a composite of some sort of psychological profile, I would imagine, you know. So you got Charlie Brown, who's like the consummate doormat, the gullible guy, you know, the guy that has kind of, he's kind of like, he's a little standoffish. He's just, he's kind of been roughed up by life. Then you've got Lucy, who's just a, she's a cunt. I mean, she's always pulling that football away from old, old Chuck, you know, every time, every single time you'd think the poor bald son of a bitch would, would get it, you know? And, and why is he bald? Does he have like alopecia or what's going on with Charlie Brown? And uh, then you got, uh, then you got Sally, and she's just the, she's just the consummate, uh, the little flibber to gibbet, you know. She's just she's in love with Linus, and she's very forthright about you know what she wants. You know, she's writing a letter to Santa that she wants, you know, all kinds of crazy ass shit. And then, but in lieu of that, she'll just accept, uh, you know, cash, you know, large bills. 20s, you know, if necessary. So to the point, you know, but also a dreamer, a bit of a dreamer, a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, 
you could tell like she buys into the love, you know, she buys into love as a concept. And then you got old Linus. And uh, he's kind of like that intuitive thinker, kind of has like a lot of trivial knowledge, but historically based knowledge because, um, you know, he he steps up, you know, when, so when Charlie Brown, go, you know, and, and so when they go try to stage the production, they're all, it's just chaos, you know. Snoopy's doing his little shuffle-footed dance, and he's hopping around, and 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 Snoopy is um, Snoopy is quite the animated uh, dog. I would, you know, I would suspect that if that was based on any real dog, like I don't know, it's quite interesting. Like uh, the personality behind it is uh, more so than the average dog. I mean, he eats bones, he eats bones whole. He sits on his, oh yeah, and he's over-commercialized because he, he, he's entered a contest in, in the cartoon, in the episode. He has entered a uh, decorating contest, so he decorates his, his uh, doghouse, <laughs> and he's sitting up top with this, the lights up and everything. I think he won. He even won, like, first place. And, uh, but he's sitting up top of his doghouse eating bones out of his bowl. Like, he's just got a pile of bones. Like, what kind of, and they're, what, what bones? They, they look like human femurs. But he's eating those whole. And so he's got his own personality. He's got his own thing going, going on. And, um, so then, and then you got like Pigpen. And Pigpen is like, he, he's, he's the coolest. He's like, he plays a shepherd. No. He plays, uh, he plays Solomon. He plays Solomon. That's right. And and then uh, the girl with the curly, natural curly hair. She plays Solomon's wife, and she's she's like, "You are a disgusting human being." He's like, "Well, this might be the dust. You know, all the dust is floating around him." He's like, "This might be the dust of, from the days of Solomon. You could treat me with a little more respect." She's like, "Fuck off." <laughs> but he uh, and then. Her, uh, Shermy, Sherman, Shermy, Hermy, Shermy, he's a shepherd. Um, and then who am I missing? Okay, so you know, and then Linus, you know, plays. He plays the uh, he plays Beethoven, which is totally like has nothing to do with uh, the Christmas play that Charlie Brown's trying to direct. And he just starts, so Charlie Brown starts yelling expletives and just shouting commands like, you know, places, everybody, we need heart, we need this, we need that. And, the, and they're all just like dancing around, they're like not even, play, not even paying attention to him. It's the most chaotic, it's the most chaotic production that there's, that's probably ever been. So he has a mini meltdown and he's like, well, maybe I'll go get a tree. I'll go get a tree for the play. It'll kind of whip everybody in shape. It'll kind of leave, you know, it'll kind of create a little, I don't know, inspiration for the actors. Maybe I guess. So he goes out and he's looking around and he goes to this Chris, by the way, the whole time there's no parents anywhere. These, so Linus and, um, Charlie Brown, old Chuck, just walking through the streets of whatever town, what, like, I don't know what town they even live in, but there's snow everywhere. No parents, it's dark out. I mean, that, you know, there's a lot of red flags going on there. So they go to the, they get to the Christmas tree lot. They're all metal trees. Like, <laughs> when were they ever, were they ever metal? Did we ever, did metal trees exist? Is that a thing? Because he's like, knocking on the metal tree and it's like clang 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 they're all pink and they're like these weird like non-human colors and until they finally find the one little christmas tree the little, the little charlie brown christmas tree and every and anytime you've ever gotten a little tiny tree what did you call it you called it the our little charlie brown tree didn't you say so bring it so he gets it and he, how he has money i don't know how charlie brown has income he must i don't know maybe he like uh he uh, extorts people. I don't know. Maybe he does like, maybe he writes code on the side. I don't know. Maybe he works at KFC. Uh, but he bring, they bring the tree back and they bring it up to the, uh, they put it on the, uh, the piano or on the stage. And 
all the you know the needles start falling off and they're like oh my god they're laughing at him like can't you do anything right charlie brown like what has he even done wrong like throughout the whole show like what has he done wrong i mean nobody invited him to any parties but i get i mean he's kind of a downer he's kind of a debbie downer but you know you got to make room for that friend you got to you know make sure he's all right right i mean aren't we in the mental health awareness kind of age now but they just fuck they really malign they, they really kicked him to the side this poor guy but so they're just laughing at him. Ha, ha, ha. You can't do anything right. Why don't you get a real tree? And so he finally just has that meltdown. You know, even Snoopy's laughing at him. Ha, <laughs> Like that weird little, you know, helium balloon laugh that he has. Until finally, like, does anybody know what Christmas is about? And that's where Linus shines. And lo, there upon the did the did the angel... Did a, you know, the, the the Lord's angel come down upon thee and said to you, I am the shepherd of the Lord. Be, be not afraid. And lo, I bring you a savior. And come here to, on to earth to, for um, goodwill towards men and peace on earth. Which is really like the whole, that's it in a nutshell. That's the meaning of Christmas. Goodwill towards men. And women. And peace on earth. Which is a crock. I mean, it's not... I mean, come on. There's been wars. There's been religious wars. Did we forget about the Crusades already? I mean, Jesus Christ. So... But it was very apropos. It was very tidy and it was very poetic. So old, old, old Linus nailed it, you know. Good for him. He's a little smart guy. He probably went to MIT. Or, you know, he probably went to a good college and... You know, he probably has a venture capital firm right now. I don't know. But that was it. You know, that's Charlie Brown. That's his... Uh... Uh, why did I bring... Oh, because of the soundtrack. But So so the sound, the legendary soundtrack is just... Oh, so... So in an, in an effort to kind of salvage everything, they go over... You know, everyone kind of... They stop and they sing... They all hum. And then they sing, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God is it. And then they go, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. And, they all, and then they all come around. Like they have some kind of Grinch moment where their hearts get bigger, like 15 times bigger. Burst right out of their rib cage. And... Uh, they take the tree over and they take all Snoopy's shit off his doghouse, the, the, the lights and the decorations that he won the contest with. And they decorate the little tree. And the little tree becomes like this might, this great, mighty, like, branched out fucking green, just the greatest tree ever, you know? Based on, based on embellishments. So they kind of strip away the whole commercialism of uh, the holiday and get to the essence of what it really is. And it is what it is. That is what it is. But then they re, re kind of reconfirm, like, you know, how, you know, things are more beautiful when there's more shit on them. Is that the message I'm supposed to take away? I'm just fucking with you. Anyway, but that was, uh, so that's, that's our, that's our perennial favorite there, you know? I, I fucking love that show. And I, but the soundtrack. I can listen to that thing from November 26th all the way to to, to, to 11.59 p.m. December 25th without exaggeration. Now, the stroke of midnight, I better not see one fucking note of Christmas music. But I, fu- I love that album. I love it. I, I love it. Like, it bums me out when it's over. So... So there it is. There it is. Uh, what else is going on? I'm going to tell you. Oh, so by the way, so I talked to my buddy Mike. I think I'm on a watch list because he's on a watch list. So uh, reason being, well, I I was listening, speaking of which, I was speaking of watch lists. I was listening to Rogan uh, the other day and he had Ted Nugent on. Fucking Ted Nugent, the Motor City Madman, good old Ted, the sex addict who doesn't drink, like 
Red Flag number one, two, three, four, and five. But undeniably one of the great guitarists of all time. Undeniable. But he was his typical subdued self, his low-key self, his, his uh, <laughs> what do you call it, like a... Um, <laughs> what's the uh, uh, extrovert not the extrovert introvert he's a typical introverted self on Rogan just had to pontificate and go on these you know seven minute rants about Benghazi and everything and we get it alright Ted we get it we get it Ted and I but I I tuned in to pay my respects he's a he's obnoxious but he's a brilliant, brilliant guitarist. He's jammed with Hendrix, you know. He's a fucking legend. He's a legend. And there's a purity to him in the, in the notion that he is a conservationist. He knows more about nature conservation than most people. And he's a purist with the, the bow hunting and all that. And, I, and that's, that's very admirable. He's just, he's very rigid on his ideologies. And I'll tell you, that's cool. I've 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 tended to kind of kind of start to un untether myself from claiming I have ideologies because it just I don't know if it's the mushrooms or what, but ideologies tend to fortify thoughts which keep you from flexibility of thought, okay? If that makes sense. Meaning you have to break out of an ideology to have an open mind, okay? There's nothing wrong with ideology. There's nothing wrong with ideologies, but it is what it is. It's its own little biosphere of thought. Okay, there's good and bad. There's good, well, or what we perceive as good and bad ideologies. But he is that. He is that. He is that conservative ideologist. If it's not kind of flowing in his direction, then you're a communist. Okay, seems a little tad rigid, but but he uh, brought up something really fascinating. I got to give him one on this one. Oh, but that's why I'm probably on the watch list too, because I listened to that episode. So Mike says he's on the watch list, which means that I'm on the watch list because I'm, I, you know, I'm associated with my buddy, Mike, John's brother, who introduced me to Charlie Brown Christmas CD. And then old Ted, old Ted Nugent, he's, you know, he's on the watch list, but he made this really interesting point. And that was that uh, that in 1911, in the town of Oroville, California, which I crap on every chance I get, there was the one of the last. Well, if not, it, no, the last. It was the last. It was the last. Uh, last known member of the Native American Yahi people from uh, uh, the parent tribe, the Yana, the rest of the Yahi, um, the rest of the Yahi were killed uh, in the California genocide of the 19th century. Look it up. I mean, this was during the mid-1800s when bounties were placed on on, this, on the heads of Indian Native Americans in, 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 this, in this particular tribe. Um, the Yahi people, the Yana. And, uh, but in 1911, uh, this Indian who was widely claimed, acclaimed as the last wild Indian in America and lived most of his life isolated from modern American culture, he just emerged out of a barn two miles from downtown Oroville, California. I thought, wow, that's really wild. 1911. He was 50 years old, according to well, what they could gather. And he adopted the name Ishi, which means man in the Yana language. It was in a... Basically, in Yahi culture, tradition demanded that he not speak his own name until formally introduced by another Yahi. When asked his name, he said, I have none because there were no people to name me. Meaning that there was no other Yahi to speak his name on his behalf. 
So this guy, they call him Ishii, 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 was taken in by anthropologists at, uh, at Berkeley, UC, UC Berkeley. And they studied him and then they even gave him a job as a janitor. But he, he's uh, supposedly about 50 years old. Uh, so he lived the remaining five years. He only lived five years after that. But he lived uh, the remainder of his time in a university building in San Francisco. And uh, But his life's been depicted and discussed in multiple films and books. Uh, it's just wild stuff. I mean, but in Oroville of all places. What the fuck? Um, so according to this, in 1865, Ishii and his family were attacked in the Three Knolls Massacre in which 40 of their tribes, tribesmen were killed. Although 33 Yahis survived to escape cattlemen killed, about half of the survivors. The last survivors, including Ishii and his family, went into hiding for the next 44 years. Their tribe was popular, popularly believed to be extinct. Prior to the California gold, gold rush of 1848 to 1855, the Yahi population numbered 404 in California, but the total Yana in the large region numbered almost 3,000. So... So, so it would make perfect sense because Orville is kind of on the outskirts of or the edges of those mining towns. You know, there's towns that didn't that don't even exist anymore. My grandfather was born in a town called Hamilton, which was a mining town. It was gold mining. It was gold dredgers, all gold dredgers. The whole town was created for mining, for gold, just gold mining. That's it. It doesn't exist anymore. The roads have all kind of withered away, dried up crumbled apart I remember going there actually when I was really they had a, they had a reunion uh, God I must have been 8 or 9 years old maybe 10 maybe tops so yeah probably 80 somewhere around 1980 and um, but this town Hamilton was just outside of Yuba City where my grandfather grew up his dad was a, a gold miner he worked, he worked the dredgers and uh, so my great-grandfather, who uh, passed away at 49, um, died you know, in that town. But that town doesn't even exist anymore. So Yuba City was kind of the big, the big town. When you went into town, you went into Marysville or Yuba City. You know, Tom Waits territory. You know, he had relatives up there. Like I was talking about Gridley. You know, but all these little towns, all these little scabby little towns... They all kind of played a part, and, and, and then Orville, Orville's just up the road about like 30-something miles, 35 miles north of uh, Yuba City, I'd say. And that's where they found this guy. So um, the gold rush brought tens of thousands of miners and settlers to Northern California, putting pressure on native populations. Gold mining damaged water supplies and killed fish. The deer left the area, the settlers brought new infectious diseases such as smallpox and measles. Um, the northern Yana group became extinct while the central and southern groups uh, and uh, Yahi populations dropped dramatically searching for food. They came into conflict with settlers who set bounties of 50 cents per scalp and $5 per head on the natives. In 1865, the settlers attacked the Ahi while they were still asleep. So, but this guy just came out of nowhere. And he ended up dying of uh, tuberculosis, uh, naturally. Because he was not, uh, you know, we decimated these populations with as much disease as we did anything else. Uh, if not primarily by disease. But I thought, yeah, that was just fascinating. And... Uh, so I'm looking at pictures of this guy. He died in 1916, March 25th. Last known member of the Native American Yahi people. Just comes out of a barn. In Oroville, California. Fascinating. Fucking fascinating. But, uh... Yep, yeah, but... So, old Ted had something to say. That was pretty cool. I don't know. I thought... You know... So, moving on. Moving on. Um, so, I'm reading this book, Slaughterhouse-Five, as well, and it kind of messes with timelines and stuff like that. And um, 
he, it's, it's about this guy, Billy Pilgrim, who is in Dresden during the firebombing of Germany when, in 40, 1944 when the Americans firebombed and killed over 100,000 people. And he, uh, this fictitious character that he created, this fictitious character, Billy Pilgrim, is a chaplain's assistant. And what's really interesting is, um, you know, why is a chaplain called a chaplain? And, I'll, and you know why? This is really unrelated, but uh, a chaplain, of course, is who you pray with, you know, if you're in the in the military, speaking of, you know, speaking of like the holidays and um, Christianity and higher powers and so forth. But uh, but a, a chaplain is called a chaplain uh, because he has to, he, as opposed to being called like a priest or a rabbi or a reverend or a pastor, he has to appeal to all walks on all denominations. Now, if you think about it, that makes sense, doesn't it? It's quite fascinating. You know, you have to be there for the Muslim just as much as you have to be there for the Buddhist or the Hindu or the Christian or the Mormon or the, you know, what the fuck ever. And uh, so that, that, uh, well, and that's about all I have to say on that. <laughs> but, uh, but in other news, um, in other news, I uh, I will be heading for. Uh, well, I'm getting really excited. I'm getting real excited, and the reason I'm excited, based on the success of my uh, my initial foray, my reemergence, my my um, uh, my reawakening into the culinary world of bread, uh, and in conjunction with. Uh, December, which is a fucking survival test for me because I have three kids that snowflakes in the air, beauty everywhere. Oh, sorry about that. I got sidetracked. I started singing that Christmas time is here, happiness and cheer. Joy for all the na 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 and baba hum nam. All right, sorry, I got. I, I can't help it. I can't help it. But you know where the X? You know how they uh, get the abbreviation for Xmas? You know X M A S Christmas because I'll tell you what. Because that is the. I think it has something to do with it's the Roman or the Latin uh, symbol for for uh, for like a crisscross. Only in this instance, of course, it means ten. But uh, but the X, of course, is the uh, abbreviated version of Xmas, which is uh, if. You, if you speak it phonetically in the Roman, the Roman version, it would be Chris. So the X, even though it means 10, is pronounced Chris. And so that's how they come up with the expression Christmas, not Xmas, but Christmas. So you learn something all the time. Anyway, getting back, I got, I got sidetracked. Sorry. I had to do a little seamless editing, as you can well attest to. Uh, My lady gave me a call. My lady, she wrote me a letter. I don't care how much money I got to spend. I got to get back to my baby again. No, no, I was talking about my kids. So, uh, the three that I have this, well, uh, actually, I've got, I'm on the hook for four, four uh, birthday celebrations. And uh, if you, well, if you count, uh, if you count uh, JC, or Jesus Cristo, uh, I got five. I got, uh, let's see, I got Chloe's is the 14th, then the twins are the 20th, then uh, the old JC, the carpenter, He his birthday is the 25th, and then uh, my ladies is the 29th, and then I've got New Year's Eve, which I will be a, uh, I will be 
I would be a shell of a man at that point. But I'll still carry on because I've been working out. But uh, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run rough shot over this month. But, but my first, my first test of strength is, uh, well, first of all, I'll just say that my son already got his damn birthday gift, <laughs> not from me, but from his mom. Uh, uh, I guess in 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 keeping in step with his new job at KFC, <laughs> he's. He's such a he's such a nut. Like it makes perfect sense now because he's a very big fan of wings, like like wings, like you know chicken wings. And uh, so his mom, his mom got him an air fryer. So he's got an air fryer in his room now to like cook his wings to the precise perfection uh, that he is uh, trying to attain. So it makes perfect sense. So and my own culinary foray in bread will uh will culminate into a a road trip um, to uh not a mecca of sorts but a definitely holy a jeff a definitely a certain type of holy grail journey to uh i'm going to portland i'm taking chloe my 19 year old soon to be 20 with uh, her and I are going to jam up to Portland, uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend, we're going to go up there and we're going to kick it up in Portland, Portland style, keeping it weird up, up North in Portland, Oregon. And I'm going to go, uh, wait, I booked a place, uh, I booked a, a, a hotel right next to Voodoo Donuts. So we're going to take a little Holy Grail trip now that I'm a Excuse me, now that I'm a baking god of sorts, not to be sacrilegious, but you know, I mean, there's like, there's like 3,000 gods floating around there. I mean, share the wealth. But uh, we're going, I, 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 uh, it wasn't even by design, it wasn't even intentional, but uh, we're going to go up. My uncle, my uncle, my pot smoking, pot headed, uh, pot growing uncle is, uh, he lives at the base of Mount Hood. So we were going to go, we'll probably go up there, check out the Timberline Lodge. That's the lodge that the exterior of The Shining uh, is based on. The From the movie, the uh, the uh, the exterior shots in the movie is, that is the Timberline Lodge. And um, so we're going to go, that's at the, that's at, that's up on Mount Hood. So we were going to, depends on the snow. There isn't much snow, but we were thinking about skiing, but I don't know if we're going to get that opportunity, but, but we're going to say hi to Don, who was in Colorado with me, of course, member of that illustrious alumni. Those, uh, the, uh, basically the Tuskegee airmen of, 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 uh, of, of Colorado, uh, you know, a, a horrible social experiment that, never should have been conducted but you can check that out on like uh, the first few episodes of this podcast uh, earlier this year but uh, but the hotel I booked is right next to Voodoo Donuts that's right you heard me right we're getting a little Voodoo-licious um, it's a mainstay it's a it's it's its own it's got its funky vibe look it up check it out uh, I went I saw I remember I I latched onto this notion of, of voodoo donuts when I think I, this year when I, when we were in Colorado with my producer daughter and the twins and, uh, over on Broadway, they, there was, uh, they had voodoo donuts. They're, they're kind of in all the funky cities, you know, they're Portland and Eugene and Denver and Austin and, uh, Houston. But, uh, they are, uh, it's, 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 it's its own unique endeavor, you know, uh, Voodoo once held the record for the largest box of donuts with 3,800 donuts in a giant version of their famous pink box. So, um, signature Voodoo donuts, the, let's see, the one, uh, the, okay, the signet, the Voodoo doll donut for one, like this place, it's, uh, it's, it, yeah, it's kind of a mecca journey. It's a it's a it's a quest. It's like you know, Sir Galahad, the Crusades. Speaking of the Crusades, Sir Lancelot. We're going. 
I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Lancelot, and my my daughter is gonna be, you know, Galahad. And we are on a journey. We are on a quest. We are on a crusade, and we're gonna go see the signature voodoo donut. The one of the sign raised red. Uh, you know, it it, it it all plays into my uh, my rebirth as a baking god. So, um, so we're gonna check out. It's uh, we're gonna check out the donuts, the voodoo donut, the signature voodoo donut. There is is a raised yeast donut filled with raspberry jelly jam and jam, topped with chocolate frosting and a pr- and a pretzel steak. Um, they've got the Portland cream, a raised yeast donut filled with Bavarian cream topped with chocolate and two eyeballs representing the vision of our great city. You got to buy into it. Like last time we were up there, like my daughter and I, when we were up in, uh, we went to Astoria, uh, beginning of 2019 to go kind of check out the town, see where they filmed Goonies do a little tour and then we jammed into Portland and we we uh we stopped off we were uh, en route to going and visiting my uncle we stopped off in they've got so many districts up there in Portland so it's gonna be fascinating but we stopped off at one place where I could get um I got a I think it was a hot toddy which is like or a hot buttered rum was it it was like a warm alcoholic drink and then she got like a pastry <laughs> so it was like it's very eclectic naturally it's portland i mean again it's not there's not much you know like ted nugent's not going to be up there anywhere near there um it's very anti ted nugent that's not why i'm but that's not why i'm going you know like i say you know we all got to get along like peace on earth goodwill towards men that's what this month is about biatch so but uh but i am going to i am going to go to this holy temple the voodoo donut and pay my respects it looks really cool i like the concept and who knows maybe it'll inspire kind of a cross cross breeding type foray into like i don't know maybe my son and i'll team up and like he um you know with his air fryer like i'll make the bread i'll make some donuts i'll make some yeast donuts and uh and then he'll he'll make some wings and then we'll make some like donuts with wings on them or a variation that thereof and uh i don't know but uh but we'll see i don't know last i talked to him he was actually applying at um rock and jump because <laughs> he does because he's like a trampoline nut as well but his twin uh the princess audrey she is well her um well she's going to alcatraz with her mom for her birthday but I, I gave her the option that uh, if she wanted to, I would do this. I called her up. I said, hey, I got, I got an idea of what we'll do for, um, for uh, your birthday. She goes, what? I go, we're going to sleep in a cemetery. And she's like, no, we're not. <laughs> she's like, she's so set. Like, she, she is definitely the uh, voice of her. Uh, she's very, she is that facet of my personality that uh, can be set in their ways and and, and it takes a, a, an act of Congress to uh, break her out of that um, she did it was a good year for her though we did get, you know we went to the Shining Hotel in Estes Park with Stanley that was a big deal for her so but I and it's hard to top that you know it's mm, you know how do you top the sh- how do you top the Stanley? You know that's like uh, the Stanley in Estes Park, which is such a beautiful town, right there on the Rocky Mountain, right on the edge of the Rocky Mountain National Park. It's kind of like it's kind of like it's kind of like accidentally seeing Bigfoot riding the Loch Ness monster. You know, it's epic in in more than one sense of the word so so I told her I, you know we'll sleep in a cemetery she goes you can't do that I go yeah you're probably right she goes you wouldn't do that I go I, if there were enough people around I would and I, and I know some cemetery trust me 
I know some cemeteries. But some good, like in Folsom, they've got an old one with, I think it's an old French. Is it an old French cemetery? Are they French? It's one of the ones, like, my lady and I used to, like, tour a lot of these cemeteries. Uh, like the one up in Georgetown, uh, where a lot of the inhabitants are, um, they have, well, they all, you know, were born in, like, early 19th century, 1820 something, you know, or they're deceased, you know, at 1850 something, 1860 something, 1870 something. They've got French names or Irish names, you know, it's, it's, it's very familial too. So, um, so I would probably, I would probably, probably, I would probably do that. I matter of fact, I know I would, she wouldn't. She's the one that would have, 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 that would be, uh, the challenge I don't and I don't think she would I don't she's pretty brave though when we went to the Hotel Leger in McCallumney Hill in the foothills now that was some creepy ass shit that was a creepy town like that was like a hotel that was creepy and if you did see something and bolted out the front door to go look for help that town doesn't look like it is is in the mood to help you so, but she held her own because they had, it, the, the hotel itself was a converted um, jailhouse. And, and so in the basement on the dirt floor was the old prison. But they had, had re, re, they'd basically remodeled it to make this hotel, the Sky Leger, French name. Um, he... Um, yeah, he re, uh, reconfigured it into a, a functioning hotel. But out of all the places, and her and I have been to a dozen haunted hotels, this is the one, aside from the Stanley, which I, I'm going to go off, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust old Steve King and, and the notion that that is haunted. I, I believe him. But this place is haunted. Matter of fact, the, the, the Ghost Adventure guys were there. They went to... Um, that episode of Ghost Adventures was uh, the Hotel Leger. Find it on uh, Adventure Channel. And matter of fact, I even I remember asking the the clerk or the girl at the register when we when we checked in, um, how that was when they showed up. She said, "Well, it's interesting. They're cool, you know." And then she said they kind of embellished a little bit of uh, the stuff, but you can sense when you're there. There's some shit going down. Okay. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna gloss over that. You can feel it, and so, anyway, long story short, my my youngest Audrey, she uh, she held her own. She went in guns a blazing. She wanted to see what was down there in those dank corridors and those dirt floors and these weird long tables that are set up with chairs around them and like goblets and stuff like that on the table and just these, you know. Uh, little passageways, these brick passageways that are kind of squared off out, out of, uh, just, you know, the, in the bowels of this hotel. I mean, she walked right, not a, not right away and not, mm, not as boldly as it sounds, but she, she did it. So maybe she could hold up at a cemetery, but anyway, that's, that might be my gift to her. We're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep working on it because she shot it down pretty quick. And when that happens, you know you got something there because, you know, you just, she's already put it to bed. So I, all I got to do is pull it back out of bed. So that's, so, uh, and then me and the boy, I don't know what I'm going to do for his birthday. Because originally he and I were going to go to Mount Hood to go skiing. But he was going to bring all of his, his goofball friends. But it didn't make any sense because I don't know these, I don't know these guys and their parents don't know me. And my son is not the type to really do the due diligence to kind of, you know, tie this all together and make it work. He's too busy air frying stuff in his room. <laughs> so, so first and foremost, my first, my first, uh, my first physical challenge, my first uh, test this month will be uh, not this Saturday. But a week from this Saturday, heading up for Portland, going to Voodoo Donuts. Uh, trust me, I will. I will document it. And uh, 
go up to Portland, Oregon, where uh, where old Chuck Polinick lives, and uh, and just see what's going on. Just check it out. It's Portland. It's like I don't know. It's harmless. It's fun. We're gonna enjoy it. It's gonna be great. Come back down. Knock out birthdays for the twins. Then we got Feliz Navidad, Noel, Joyeux Noel on December 25th and 29th is my lady. And, uh, well, I, we're going to do something, but I can't, I can't talk about it because it's some freak. Like I, like I was telling my, my buddy, Mike, if I'm on a watch list, they're not going to, like, I lead a pretty funky life, man. And they're going to get a little uncomfortable with some of the shit that I do on a daily basis, okay? So, just putting that out there. They're probably listening right now. So, FBI, CIA, if you guys are listening, listen. I would uh, I would put that little piece of tape over your laptop camera like old Zuckerberg does uh, on the 29th of December because it's going on Grand Funker. But anyway, that's the uh, that's pretty much my kick. This is my kickoff to a, uh, a month of debilitating fun. And uh, I'm going to be blasting uh, Charlie Brown Christmas the whole time. It's the only way to do it, brother. Brothers and sisters. So come together. Let's all come together. Let's enjoy this. It's 75 degrees out out here in California. You got to love it. It's going to be a... It's going to be a uh, crispy Christmas. I'm going to... I'll probably be wearing shorts. I'm going to be wearing... Board shorts when uh, Christmas rolls around. So, anywho, I appreciate you all tuning in. I love you all. Subscribe, subscribe if you want. I don't really give a fuck if you do or not. But um, let's have a good month, though. I think good things are going to happen this month. I think the world's ready to have a good month. We're fine. We're we're ready. You know this 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 variant this little variant just it it i think is going to slowly just kind of lapse into what we now call the seasonal flu is what it's coming down to we got herd immunity coming on our side um you know things are kind of settling in there's less and less confusion about masks and you know dealing with public situations like that. So let's take let's take this month to really just recognize, you know, a love for your brothers and sisters, okay? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Can I get a hallelujah? All right. Anyway, that's the podcast. I'll talk at you later, boys and girls, moms and dads. Arrivederci, babies.